Hello, this is Austin Art Talk, and I'm your host, artist and photographer, Scott David Gordon. Join me as I go in-depth to learn about artists local to Austin and beyond. We will dig into their origins and explore their paths and careers as artists, struggles and triumphs, setbacks and successes, and everything in between. I really love creating this podcast, and hopefully we can all figure out together how to better connect and support each other and our local art communities and create opportunities and abundance for ourselves through conversations like these and the ripples they create. This podcast is supported by people like you who find value in these talks and the work that goes into them and their production. Discover all the ways you can help keep this podcast going by visiting the support tab at austinarttalk.com. Consider sharing any episode that you love with someone you love and give a minute to leave a rating and review or feedback. And follow along on Instagram to stay up to date and share any ideas or questions or sign up with your email on the website. And keep in mind, no matter what you may be going through, you're not alone. That is why these conversations exist. Our shared humanity and experiences give us strength, hope, and a path forward. On to the heart of the show. Elizabeth McQueen is a singer-songwriter and the host of NPR's This Song podcast. Growing up in a family of visual artists, she eventually found her own creative practice and voice in the pursuit of performing and creating music. For over eight years, she was the lead singer for Asleep at the Wheel until she retired in 2014 to focus more on her kids and eventually start her radio career. For the last six years, she has had the chance to interview some of the best musicians in the world and hear their stories. A few of the subjects we cover in our conversation are the heightened importance of art right now, her aggressive positivity, her sister's artwork, the origins of this song, and some great lessons she has gleaned from various artists about their own creative practices. We finish with the question she puts to every guest on her show. Can you share a story of a song that has transformed your life? What a powerful and moving answer she gives. I was so happy to finally interview Elizabeth after knowing her for so many years. She is a super talented musician and interviewer and a very positive force in the world. Here is Elizabeth. Uh, Okay, Elizabeth, well, thanks for being on my podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, so we've... I don't know how long we've known each other. I'm trying to remember the first JBG potluck that you, uh, Johnson's Backyard Garden, that's a farm where I've been working for the last 10 years. Like you sang at one of the potlucks that was over off of Hergots. And that, I think that's the first time I ever heard your voice or met you. Do you remember yeah, when that was? You were I pregnant don't. at one of them, I, I know for sure. I don't remember. I mean, I know that like I... Got into uh, Johnson's Backyard Garden, which is the CSA that we kind of know each other through. Yeah. Um, because I was interested in CSAs and they were like, they had maybe been around for like a year or something or maybe longer than oh, that. Wow, I don't know. Okay. But, uh, but when we got involved, like I didn't realize that Brenton, who runs it, had actually... Like, I didn't make the connection that he had actually come to, like, shows at the Carousel Lounge when I was playing at the Carousel oh, wow, Lounge when okay. I was in my early 20s. And so that was how I got on the on the potluck stage was that, yeah. he, you know, he they had this potluck and they asked me to play. And I was like, yeah, definitely. Like, because um, I really loved what they did and what they were doing and the the stuff that they were bringing to our family. So, yeah. Yeah, and it's pretty cool to work for that farm now just kind of realizing what an essential business it is and how you know it's you know farmers and maybe farm workers haven't really probably been given their due you know as much as maybe they are now it's very interesting yeah because you've you've started working for them again during this whole pandemic thing right yeah i mean i've for the last 10 years i've been uh mainly their photographer but i've also done deliveries and then yeah with uh, with the pandemic, I started helping out with deliveries again, which helps me because I'm an essential worker now, I guess. And I appreciate it too, because <laughs> as someone who gets their vegetables delivered, you know, it's so, uh, yeah, I think none of us really kind of understood our dependence on the food supply chain or the workers who made it possible, you know, from the farm to like delivery people to the grocery stores. And now we're, it's becoming very apparent. And I think it's becoming very apparent that we need to pay people a living wage if they're going to be doing, you know, work that is deemed essential during a global pandemic. 
you know? Yeah, yeah. I almost wish, though, that, like, the arts were part of that. Because I feel like, you know, there are a lot of, like you said, delivery people and everything, you know, people that work at grocery stores. They're not, you know, it's been more like, oh, that's a blue-collar job. There's all these other jobs that now don't seem as essential. But it's like, I, I really feel like... Or I really wish that the arts or artists were part of that group in a way. Like, oh, that's an essential uh, worker is an artist, you know? (laughs) Well, I mean, what's the thing that people turn to when you're, you know, you're in the middle of this, like, kind of confusing and terrifying time? And what's, like, the thing that brings relief? It's art, you know? It's music. It's seeing films. It's watching TV shows. It's you know, looking at visual art. I mean, these are the things that bring us into, you know, can bring us out of the swirl of all of this, uh, all of these feelings that can be really overwhelming and, you know, can bring us into the current moment, which is really, mm. I think, where where a lot of peace lies or can give us some kind of, you know, window into other worlds. Like if you're watching a film or like reading a book, you know, you're you're getting a break from from kind of what's happening now and, and getting, you know, into a story. So, yeah, I, I think the arts are essential, um, especially during this time, you know, and as, as a musician, I, some of the most relief that I've received during this pandemic has been from listening to other people's music and, and just playing music, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really great point. I guess I just feel like at least in the, more national discussion in the media it's not something i've seen talked about in the way that you just said you know what i mean it's more about you know keeping the economy going and uh moving supplies around and people being fed and you know that kind of thing so yeah i mean i think it's just an overlooked um i mean always right the yeah. arts i think because we kind of live in this very utilitarian society and because the arts are seen as very frivolous and artists are people who like don't want to get real jobs, which is not, not true. I mean, that's true Yeah, a lot of times, but um, you know, it's it, because we come from this hyper utilitarian society, the arts are never seen as essential and they totally are, you know, I mean, the arts are what is like helping people survive this time. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, it's so interesting because I was thinking about, um, getting ready for this interview. I was thinking about the word artist, you know, cause it's like, you know, in the context of my podcast, I'm generally inter- interviewing visual artists, a lot of it, mostly visual artists. But, you know, I think about, I mean, the word artist is used in the context of musicians a lot, maybe even more, I wonder sometimes. Um, so I, I went and did a little bit of research about the, etymology of the word artist and it's kind of originates um if you're interested to hear maybe you already know this but it kind of I originated don't. around the 1580s as oh, one really? who cultivates one of the fine arts uh it came from middle french and italian um it says originally originally especially of the arts presided over by the muses the greek muses history poetry comedy tragedy music dancing and astronomy Astronomy, so no visual arts at that time of the muses. Uh, visual arts was seen as a very low uh, profession. <laughs> yeah, history was in there. Yeah, history. Yeah, like, I never yeah. thought of history as an art, but I'm I'm open to it. But then in the mid 18th century, then one who practices the arts of design or visual arts kind of became known. But I discovered this book, which I really I just I'm going to say this list really quick because I just think it's so interesting. There's this book called Living with Art by this uh, author, Mark Getline, and he proposes six activities, services, or functions of contemporary artists, and this is what they are. I just, I've never seen this before, and I just thought you might appreciate this. Uh, number one, create places for some human purpose. Create extraordinary versions of ordinary objects. Record and commemorate. Give tangible form to the unknown give tangible form to feelings and refresh our vision and help see the world in new ways. I just think that's such a that. cool yeah, list. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, and it kind of like, it's not um, a medium based 
understanding yeah. of what art is. It's kind of like what art really is, which is taking ideas and feelings and turning them into metaphors or, you know, something visual or something that you can hear, you know? Yeah. 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 Well, you know, the reason, one of the reasons I wanted to interview you is just because I've been, I guess I just had been thinking about it for a long time, wanting to do an interview with you, but I just, you know, you're such a, you're just such a joyful, positive person. Like whenever I've interacted with you, like I just really appreciate that about you. And there was a quote, um, you were talking about public radio, but you said, I'm so into the idea that people can create the beauty they want to see in the world. I just love that. Like, where do you, where does that positivity, optimism, at least that you exude uh, on the outside, where does that come from, do you think? Oh, gosh, I, I don't know. I've never thought of it. Um, I mean, I will, I will lead with saying that that's not you know, I'm a complex human being. Yeah. Who has... <laughs> no, I, I get that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, sometimes I think that like, I, like I had to get off um, social media a lot because I had this like aggressively positive social media oh, okay. um, uh, kind of performative thing that was happening and I couldn't not do it. And I, it really annoyed me. And so, you know, that part of my personality, I think is, uh, it's really there. Sometimes maybe it's there to present a version of myself to other people that yeah. that makes me feel safe, maybe. Um, mm -hmm. But I think, it, but it is really like, a, but there is a really aggressively positive and optimistic part of me. Yeah. Um, and I don't know where it comes from. I mean, I feel like, um, gosh, that's such an interesting question. Like if I think about it, um, it was not always there when I was younger, like when mm. I was a kid. And maybe it's something that I've leaned into more as I become an adult and as I've become a parent. And I think I probably, gosh, where does it come from? I don't know. I mean, I didn't grow up. I grew up in a very like loving household and I grew up surrounded by artists, but I didn't kind of understand really what art was about or really what music was about till I was probably in my twenties. Um, and it was like this door kind of opening to me. Um, I, I, I kind of reflecting back on what the, the quote that you read, like when yeah. I understood, I think I always, I think I understood very early um, that like, you know, as early as like high school, that, music could be a way of really deeply connecting with others and getting yourself into this kind of universal moment. But I didn't understand like myself as someone who could create that. And, yeah. and then in my twenties, when I started making music and I started collaborating with people and I started opening myself up to the arts, I think that's when I really started to understand, you know, what art really was, was it like, what music really was, was a way for, mm. for us to create, you know, to take the ways that we feel and the ways that we think and to turn them into something that we can transmit to someone else so that they can, you know, feel that feeling and in doing so feel understood because maybe they were having the same feeling that they couldn't quite verbalize. I mean, music is really good, I think, for, for kind of, because music is pre-verbal, music is very good for for helping people understand their emotions um, yeah. in a way that doesn't have to be spelled out in words. And also music and, uh, you know, music is my primary medium, but I think any art really is a way, you know, when you're making music and you're performing in front of a, a group of people, there's this thing that happens sometimes where you all kind of start humming at the same frequency hmm. and, you know, like you, when you can like understand what the musicians on stage are doing without having to talk about it. And then when you're like really in the moment and then that moment gets conveyed to an audience, I mean, it's this really powerful yeah. experience where you really see beyond like your ego and everything that you're taught about, you know, being an individual. And you really, you can really feel how we're really all connected on a, on this very basic level. Um, yeah. And I think when I started to understand that, 
like that is when this positivity <laughs> took over because I love it and I chase it and I and I I think it can manifest itself in all kinds of ways. I mean, like I work for a public radio station now, so I don't play as I don't play gigs anymore. Yeah. Um, but I do, you know, I'm still part of a community that all kind of vibes and understands and is all working towards like a common goal. And, um, and I just love that. Hmm. Sorry. Yeah, I, don't, I, don't, ta- I don't know. I don't know if that answered your question. Yeah, no, totally. Totally. <laughs> um, just as you were talking, I was reminded of this fantasy that I often had. I hadn't thought about this in a while, but. I think about the difference between being a visual artist and being a a singer and performing in front of people. And I just always fantasized about how it would feel to sing at the top of my lungs in some kind of harmonious way with a band in front of a group of people. And I was just like, that must feel so amazing. And I just, it's like visual artists, I don't know. I don't know if you can actually replicate that feeling or experience in any way other than singing, you know, I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm not a visual artist. Um, so I don't, I don't know, yeah, but, yeah, I, yeah. but I would think that there is something about like capture, you know, in visual art, like kind of being able to express something visually that is emotional, you know what I mean? Yeah. Cause it, it's the same with a piece of art. Like there, there's some art that you see it and it just, you stand in front of it and you start to cry, you know yeah, what I mean? Because yeah. it, you can feel not on, not just like what the artist intended, but also you can feel kind of like this thread of um, connected human experience. Like I understand mm-hmm. myself, other people understand themselves, you know, like, yeah, I, I mean, I've definitely had that experience with, with visual art for sure. Well, yeah, maybe we can go a little deeper into that real quick because and we could take a cue from your which i haven't mo- mentioned yet you're the host of the podcast this song on npr and kutx and so maybe you could share your transformational art story <laughs> or one of them but i want to get to the song story too but uh uh just what you're talking about a transformational art um experience a transformational art experience. I, like you were just speaking to. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm I'm trying to think like specifically. And it could be song too. I mean, we could just get into that. No, 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 no. I'm trying to, there have been a couple, and sometimes it's like um, art and music at the same time. I'm trying to, I'm trying to uh, yeah. kind of like part, I didn't, I didn't have one planned coming in. The thing that, the first thing that comes to my mind actually is that my sister is a visual artist yeah, and she has been my whole life. And, um, in the last couple of years, she's developed a couple different styles and a couple different mediums. Uh, one is cross stitch, which is like a thing that our mom used to do. Our mom used yeah. to cross stitch and all, always from patterns. And my sister kind of took it into this like freehand cross stitch world where she she was doing weather maps for a while which is like beautiful like taking (laughs) taking like a picture of a weather map on um on the television and then cross-stitching that picture and it's they're so it's like something that's so mundane you know and so every day like everyone sees these things all the time and no one would ever really think of them as beautiful but so unique but the colors are like out of this world incredible and often there's like a rainbow you know like if there's a storm like the different levels of the storm are in some like kind of rainbow gradation or like or sometimes they're in like more of like an ombre like you know like dark pink to light pink or something like that and so she did this series that was you know i mean that's kind of what it what it can do where you go like oh my like you you look at something and all of a sudden it's like that, um, that flaming lip song, like suddenly everything has changed, which is about the passage of time. But I think can be with art too, which is where like you, you see something and you stop and you say like, I didn't even, I, I didn't even see the beauty in that. Yeah. And she's know also that someone would do something like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like who, I, the fact that she not only like saw the beauty in it, and then created a process through which she was able to show other people that beauty. You know what yeah. I mean? Like is really amazing. Like 
really amazing to me. Um, and she also did a thing where she, uh, she takes people's ultrasounds of their babies mm. and does cross stitches of them. So that it's another thing where like the ultrasound of your baby is this very, I mean, it's a beautiful thing, but I don't think anyone ever really thought of it as art. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's just this thing, but she, you know, to, to cross stitch an ultrasound freehand takes like a long time. You yeah. know? Oh so, my goodness. So so she she's done this thing where it's like, no, 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 look at this. Like, this is really beautiful. This is art. Like you're and this moment in time, it's more than just like a baby ultrasound picture that you're gonna share on Instagram. It's like put it on your wall. This is art. I yeah, I really love that. Mm. Um so yeah, those are the things, you know, where I that's what I love. She's she does a style too of like line drawing of people where she's able to capture. It's very simple line drawings. Like there's not a lot of detail, and yet she's able to capture the essence of the people she's drawing and the feeling really well. And I, you know, it's not something that I have the uh, physical capacity to do. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, when I when I see those. Sorry, I'm about to cry just thinking about it. It's like, that's the kind of stuff that just, you know, um, it blows me away. I love it. Wow. Yeah. Cross-stitch. I mean, that's so cool that she's like um, transforming or interpreting things that normally are just giving you kind of like a basic information that you might just kind of disregard or like, oh, I have that information now and you just kind of move on. But she's like transforming them or translating them into these like really beautiful uh, visual objects. That's so cool. It is. And she's also doing it with like a medium that doesn't get a lot of... um yeah, it's not. It's not. It's not like, it's like arts and crafts. Like, kind of. It's yeah. It's, it's <laughs> very like arts and craftsy. We're, we're not like this is not like a high art medium yeah. necessarily. But when you when you do that, it becomes. It's not just an you know. It's it's a work of art. It's not. It's it's something more. You know. Yeah. 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 That makes me wonder how you know since this podcast, like I said, is generally about visual art. And you grew up, like you said, around a lot of visual artists in your family. Like, what was that like? You know, how did that make you think differently about art growing up? Or, um, I think, you know, it's really interesting because I grew up around a lot of visual artists, but I didn't grow up around any musicians. Oh, yeah. So right. um, I just kind of took visual art and like the fact that you would know, you know, my dad's an architect, but he also does, has always done watercolor. My uncle mm. is um, a painter. I have a cousin who's really artistic. My sister grew up doing photography and, you know, now she does all these other things. And um, it, I just kind of always thought that like, that was just it. It wasn't like, uh, it wasn't like heavy, you know, heavy. Um, it was just the way that it was. And I think for me, be, because I didn't grow up with any musicians, it was a little harder for me to understand what I did as art. Yeah. Um, because I didn't have anyone there to really tell me that it was like, cause music, there's a way that you can approach music. And I'm sure there's a way, you know, the same way with visual art. That's just very technical. So that was kind of how I, I, I approached music from a pretty young age. Like I was in, um, I got voice lessons kind of early and then I was in choirs and I think it took me longer to figure, to figure my way into the creative side of it. Cause I was mm-hmm. just trying to figure out how to like sing in tune and hit the notes and have a good tone and yeah. have good breath support. Um, and all that stuff is really important, but uh i feel like my adult life has been dismantling those ideas you know did you not though see modeled in all the visually creative people around you the kind of side of it of you know like processing yourself or expressing yourself or kind of um you know um you were kind of talking about that you figured out in your 20s you know yeah, I kind of not not really not through music because it wasn't something that yeah. anyone really had a vocabulary for. You know, like 
it's only now like I've started practicing piano during the pandemic. Oh, um, wow. Nice. And for the first time ever, I've learned a, I'm working on Claire de Lune. I've got the first half down and it's the first time ever that I've been able to like feel like I can speak through a piano. Mm. I've kind I've kind of felt that way with guitar, like guitar and I have a very ambivalent relationship. Um, I've kind of felt that way through guitar, but I've always mostly got like uh, expressed emotion through my voice. And so, uh, but I've been taking piano since I was 10. Oh yeah. <laughs> or like, like I, I mean, I, I, t- I took a couple years of piano when I was 10. Um, yeah. But like the, you know, my parents, they weren't into it. And ha- hearing a 10 year old practice piano is like really painful. And so they, there's a, <laughs> there's a pedal on the piano that, that dampens the sound. Yeah. And so they'd be like, you know, we're watching TV. Like, can you put the soft pedal down? Yeah. Yeah. While you're practicing piano. I mean, I hated it. I didn't understand it. Like, yeah. I, I didn't really do it that, that long, but it, you know, it's now I'm 42 and it's the first time that I really understood that so yeah i mean it just took it just took a while longer for me to figure out what it was about for me yeah yeah um maybe we could talk about this song and just kind of how that got started and how that's evolved and you know how that's changed your life well this song kind of came out of a big transition in my life so i had been with a band called asleep at the wheel for eight and a half years and mm-hmm. um my i had started before i had kids and then three years into being in that band i had kids and my husband is the drummer in that band he still is and so we decided that rather than me get off the road we would take our kids on the road with us so we traveled for the next five years with our kids on the road mm. and then when my oldest kid which was a whole thing in itself yeah <laughs> uh when my oldest kid got old enough to go to kindergarten, you know, we had to make a choice. Like, do we stay out here and homeschool? Do we go back or do I get off the road and let her have like a normal kid experience? And I was super over being in the band by then and traveling with two kids and it was really expensive. And so I was really tired. So we decided to, that I would get off the road, but I didn't kind of know what my next move was. And I had before I joined Asleep at the Wheel, I'd interned at KUT, which was then just KUT. So when I got off the road, I kind of, you know, put some feelers out and said like, hey, if you guys ever need a DJ, like I'm getting off the road. And yeah. they took me up on my offer and and um, I kind of thought maybe I should come up with like some kind of show to bring to them and say like, hey, well, what if I did this too? And uh, I was on the road. We were in a buffet um, me and PJ Harrington and Jay Reynolds and my husband, Dave Sanger, we were kind of bouncing ideas about what kind of podcast or what kind of show I could do. And so we started talking about, you know, if there's one thing musicians love to do, it's talk about music that they love and yeah. like tell, tell other people about it. We used to call it playing music at people on the bus. Like, Hey man, you got to listen to this, you know? So yeah. <laughs> we, we, and bands, you know, they drive around the country in vans and in buses and in cars. And a lot of what they do is play music for each other and at each other mm. and talk about why they love the music. And so we kind of thought like, well, what if you could ask musicians, like, what's a song that's really, it started out as what's a song that's really important to you. But what really quickly became apparent was that people were talking about songs that were, had changed them in some way. And so that's, mm. then we, we pivoted and so that's what it's been so for the last like five six five and a half years i've been talking to musicians about songs that change their lives and it's been really powerful for me because during that time i actually when i got off the road i thought i would continue to play gigs and have my own solo career um and the longer i was off the road the more i realized i didn't want to do that because you know, best case scenario, like everything works out, you're gone from your family or you're trying to figure out again, how to bring your family on the road with you. And I didn't want to do that. Um, so, and playing music in clubs was like bringing me very little joy for a long time. So I finally just moved away from that, but I've never moved. I've never had to stop having those conversations with people Mm. about, the music that they love. And I've learned 
so much, you know, not just like music that I never would have listened to, but also I always try to ask people like get some kind of insight into their creative process, ask them how maybe that experience relates to the work that they do now. Yeah. And so I've, I've been able to have some really interesting conversations. Um, and it's taught me a lot about music and creativity and art mm. and why we do it and, and how we do it. You know, what are the different ways into making something? Yeah. Can you share any of those uh, kind of more memorable points that come to mind that you've learned? Or that you've yeah. actually been able to put into action yourself or you see other people successfully doing? Yeah. Well, there's like, I mean, it's, I feel like there's so many. One of them was I yeah. interviewed St. Vincent and I was so nervous. Like I was so nervous to interview Annie Clark and there was actually a film crew there like filming while, I was, oh, yeah. while we were talking. Um, but she did, you know, she talked about Disney music and then she talked about the new record that she had she had just released called mass seduction that was just this totally like kind of brutally honest record where she didn't, she'd been pretty opaque. I felt like in the past and yeah. um, there was not, there, there wasn't a, there's not a whole lot of opaqueness on this record. Like she's very direct about what she says. And so I was, I was kind of saying like, was that, you know, did that feel very vulnerable to, to really be direct and your, you know, lyrically, and she said, well, no, because if you, it actually makes you less vulnerable because if mm. you're not hiding things from people, if you're telling them everything, then they can't hurt you. Right. And it was like, whoa, ah, my gosh. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, and, and another one was with, um, um, well, Nils Klein is the guitar player for Wilco, but he's also okay. like this, he's a far out jazz guitarist. And he talked about a Miles Davis song and he was talking about like just sound like, mm. because what I've found is that like all everyone's in it for a different reason. You know what I mean? Like everyone gets in deep into music or deep into songwriting or deep into playing for a different reason. And he was, it, he would, and I'm like, like I'm like a lyrically based person, you know, I, I love melodies, but I'd never thought just about like sound, like just, mm. Like, cause I kept on talking to him and I kept him, I didn't understand what he was saying, which actually makes it a really good interview because yeah. <laughs> he had to really explain to me what he meant, you know? Um, but this idea that like, you know, sound itself can really be like this way into uh, the experience can really be this way into emotion, you know, it, mm. it, um, just the way a guitar sounds or the way, you know, and you know, producers know this, like they know that like sounds really matter. Right. But like, I'm not a producer person. I'm a yeah. songwriter um, and a singer. So it was really the first time that I had kind of like, I was like, Whoa, okay. And I, yeah. I felt like I understood a whole, I understood music in a whole other other way that I had only kind of like tangentially understood before. Like less intellectually kind of thinking about like, what do these words mean? And what am I trying to say? More just kind of like the vibration of the wavelengths. You exactly. Know? Exactly. Yeah, totally. Okay, cool. Yeah. Any other memorable moments from the podcast? Oh, yeah. I mean, like a ton. I, I yeah, feel like every sure. time I... Every time someone talks about music, I learn something mm. new. You know what I mean? I learn another way that you can appreciate music. Um, and sometimes it's not even the way people talk about music. I mean, sometimes it's just the way that people tell their stories. Like uh, I, Jackie Venson, who's a guitar player here in Austin, and I did an interview. And I knew her as a guitar, like a blues guitar player, but I didn't really understand. Like I didn't really know her story that well. Um, and she actually started out as a classically trained pianist, which I knew, but I didn't know the story of why she pivoted to guitar. And it's this really heartbreaking story about she went off to Berkeley School of Music and she had jazz, she had grown up as a classical pianist and there were all these jazzers there and she was taking jazz, like a jazz piano course. And the difference between classical music is that you really it's very technical you learn 
the notes on the page, there's not a ton of uh, improv, right? I mean, that's mm-hmm. the whole thing about classical music. And jazz is the other side, like, you you know, the chord, basic chord structure, and then you kind of improv within that chord melody harmony structure. Yeah. And she was having a lot of trouble doing it. And she she really had prepared a piece like she had worked on one piece and her her teacher said, well, I don't want you to do that piece. I want you to do this piece. And she said, well, I can't. I I practiced the other piece. And he, they were like, well, you should be able to do this other piece because this is jazz and like, just go for it or whatever. And Jackie said, well, I can't. And the person said, well, then why are you even here? And like, mm. it was like this story about um, my friend Chrissy Tegerstrom, who is a podcast called beyond and back talks a lot about dream killers people who really come in and just you know they don't even really often really mean it and it often happens to us when we're pretty young where someone comes in and just says some offhand thing that like crushes our soul right depresses our ability to create you know because we usually they're an authority figure usually they are probably dealing with their own trauma around creation you know but like right and that was that that was like a moment for Jackie when someone came in and just kind of took all her love for music just like totally totally just like squashed her dreams yeah. you know and so her what she does now and the way she plays guitar and what she talks about you know a lot of that is informed by that experience um and I think it's a, I think it's an experience that a lot of people can relate to. You know, I think it may be experiences like those are, are maybe why we don't see the arts as essential because, you know, everyone, I think, has the ability in them to be creative, to come up yeah. with an idea and to manifest it, to make something out of nothing, Absolutely. to, to express, you know, something that is, um, universal or 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 hyper personal you know to express something through a medium that other people can then connect with and i know this because i have kids and i have seen my kid my children and all yeah. their friends just you know kids it's not no one's put the there is no like spigot you know it just it just comes out you know and um but then i think everyone has these experiences where yeah. where those instincts are seen as frivolous or are seen as you know uh getting in the way of them doing like important stuff um practical practical yeah. stuff <laughs> and then it's squished out of them and then they in turn you know that you suffer this trauma of being told that you this is not something that you could or should do and then you in turn then you externalize that right like you you look out into the world and you say, well, if I can't do it and I shouldn't do it, no one should do it, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, how do you think some of the artists you've interviewed that have been through those kinds of experiences got through them? Do you see any theme at all or how that specific woman did? Um, I think what she did was just, you know, she said that like her love for piano disappeared, but her love for music didn't. And so she mm. was able to find another way in, you know, find another way to kind of express that um Mm. i haven't talked to a ton of people who've had like when i think about it i haven't talked specifically about that with a ton of with a lot of people but that would be an interesting podcast and i think that's something that chrissy has thought about exploring it's like how because people who are creative they've probably many of them have had those experiences and how do you pull yourself out of it is a real is a real gosh if we could give people tools to like undo yeah. that damage that we would, that would be really great. You know, we should work on that. I think it's pretty common in the visual arts. I feel like I've interviewed quite a few people who have a story where there's some kind of shame or something that comes up early on in life around creativity or art or whatever. And then they just kind of, it's sidelined or disappears for decades until maybe even until they're retired or something. And then they're finally give themselves the permission to kind of explore it again. It's like really harsh. (laughs) It is really harsh. I think, you know, with music, I think there's an interesting thing where like a pretty common thing with music is that um, people generally like 
musicians, like people who can play instruments or sing are a little bit like magicians because it's yeah. not a, it's not a skill that, that everyone has. And there, there is some kind of weird thing that you sometimes you're gifted with it. You know what I mean? Like you're, it, yeah. it, it kind of comes from within. It doesn't really come from you, you know? Uh, so people generally like people who can play music. They don't always squish the music out, but a lot of times they the idea of being a professional musician, someone who makes money playing music, that becomes like the a big stumbling block for a lot of people. Like mm-hmm. that I think that is a that I mean I don't know if that, that we've really tackled it on the podcast, but you know, anecdotally just from all my friends and all the experiences that people have, uh getting over the hump of deciding to try to a feel like you deserve to make money playing music and then b make a career playing music is um that's a pretty universal yeah thing you know because a lot of people will tell you that like you can't do it or you know like when i had kids so like i when i first told my parents i wanted to be a musician they were like okay like sure and then when i finally got like a job that you know paid actual money they were like oh cool and then when i got pregnant everyone told me like they're well like obviously you'll have to stop right which you know they don't they don't but but a lot of women are told that they'll have to stop their career to yeah kids um yeah definitely I'm, i'm definitely enjoying hearing uh some of the things that you're talking about because it's like I can see the parallels between music and visual art. I mean, it's all this, it seems like it's all the same then. It's just all creative beings trying to manifest what's in their soul in some way and kind of being thwarted here and there and dealing with practical aspects of life, just like everyone else and doubt and fear and everything. Yeah, I mean, I think the one thing I have learned from the podcast, because there are a lot of musicians who are also visual artists, and so sometimes you'll talk about that. Um, And it kind of, it seems to spring a lot of time from, like, the same places or close places. Like, Mm. you know, like you you were saying, like, um, it's people trying to manifest ideas into some some form that other people can understand and in a culture that really doesn't value that. So yeah, I think, I think our stories are the same a lot of times. Yeah. So maybe just here, right here at the end, we could finish with you talking about kind of what you interview people about. And in this song is like kind of a transformational song story or something like to kind of finish us up. Yeah, totally. So I, uh, so like I said, I grew up as a pretty technical singer and um, I took a lot of voice lessons. I was in choirs. I had amazing breath control, <laughs> uh, <Nice>. <laughs> pretty good intonation. And that was kind of the way that I approached. I think there was always an emotional, com- like I always understood that you have to convey emotion in, mm-hmm. in music, but I, I didn't. But for me, music was always, that was kind of my focus, like, like, um, sounding good was really my focus. And then I joined Asleep at the Wheel and I, I had never really gotten into like mid 20th century jazz singers before I joined that band, like really done a deep dive and listened to like the Ella Fitzgeralds and, uh, Betty Carters and mm-hmm. everyone. And so I, I started to do that because i I realized that that knowing some more techniques and some styles in in that kind of milieu would really help me sing the songs that we were singing in Asleep at the Wheel, which is very mid, you know, a lot of like early mid-century American music, a lot of swing stuff. So I started listening to a lot of those singers and I would sing, you know, sing along with a lot of those singers. And um, one day I... Years earlier, I had downloaded a Nina Simone album off of emusic.com. Yeah, okay. And it was this, uh, the tomato, it was this collection of songs, like the tomato recordings, Nina Simone. And I'd listened to it and it was like, 
but you know, I dug it as some sea lion woman. It was cool. And it, I was kind of scrolling through my iPod. I would, and I would warm up in the, on the band bus in the bathroom and bathrooms on buses are like these tiny little compartments, yeah. you know? Right. But I loved staying, warming up and singing in the bathroom, putting my makeup on. And, and I came across this Nina Simone song. It was her version of, I got it bad and that ain't good. And I, like, it was as if someone had just, like, punched me in the, mm. like, right in the chest. And wow. I I heard her sing this song, which is a pretty standard song. I mean, I, I knew the song. But in this way that was so heartbroken, just so, mm. like, oh, so heartbroken. And I just started crying. And to this day, like, if I need to cry, I will put that yeah. song on, right? Like, because I... Because sometimes you just need a release, you know what I mean? Oh, and, yeah. um, and that song, and it never fails to just bring me to tears. And I, you know, and so I, I, I was obsessively listening to that song and crying. <laughs> like, and I started <laughs> to think about, you know, well, first of all, I must have been pretty like strung out from the road if I needed to cry that much. But yeah, yeah. second of all, I just, um, I started to think like, well, why, why is this particular song? hitting me yeah you know like lyrically it's it's got you know that's a sad song and then i realized it was the way that she sang it and Mm. and in that song like she's first of all she's playing piano and she's singing at the same time so her piano playing is almost like a you know a second voice always with nina simone but the way she sings it's not technically great there are some pitchy notes, her voice wavers, but you f- feel like every note, you feel how badly she's been treated by this guy. You feel how much she can't stop herself from, you know, participating in this relationship, how much she can't stop mm. it from hurting her. You know, it's like he's hurt. He keeps hurting her. And she keeps being hurt and it's just so sad. You know what I mean? Like it's so sad. And in some way, like there is, you know, there's a part of me that just like, you know, sometimes it's a person, sometimes it's the world, you know, sometimes it's America. Like sometimes there is a, there is a part of all of us. I think that loves things that are bad for us, that loves things that, continue to let us down you know and that feeling i'm about to cry just thinking about it like wow uh and i and then i but listening to that song it was like i understood all of a sudden it was like my whole direction as a singer changed or or like Mm. my whole man my whole reason for doing what i did and what i had set out to do as a career changed and it was like oh you're supposed to do that like it's not about Mm. getting the notes right it's not about like singing a pretty song it's not about someone saying like oh your voice sounds so good it's about like giving transmitting emotion Mm. on that in that way or at least that's what it became like for me and then that's what i started becoming interested in hearing in music in general you know what i mean like i really can't I'm not the kind of person who can hear like someone who is really technically good at what they do, but doesn't, isn't feeling it. You know, I I don't have a lot of space and what I like for that anymore. So it really, it transformed like what I, how I approach music, like the whole, it, it totally transformed the way that I approach music. I mean, I still kind of, you know, if I'm nervous, I'll default back to like breast support and, you know, intonation and stuff like that. Um, but I, you know, what I, how I do music and what I like in music, it just shifted everything. So, wow. Yeah. I just, I just love the idea of being so open to being moved by something. It just makes me wonder if I had asked all the people I've interviewed, all the visual artists, like, what's a transformational art experience that you've had or a piece of art? And I just, I don't think that everyone's always in that place where they're open to being transformed like that. I just think that's so awesome that you happen to find yourself in that place and you took that in and it changed everything. I just feel like that's, I don't know, that feels like a very exciting 
part of life that you can be so changed and wowed by some uh, single thing like that, a single piece of art or something that someone created that has such power. I just that's I don't know. That excites me. Yeah, I mean, and I think I, I kind of think like people don't become artists if they don't have these experiences. You know what I mean? Like you, you don't just. I mean, maybe some people do. You know, I mean, look, there's billions of yeah. people on the earth. Everyone's experience are different, but a lot of times I think it's having an experience of someone making something that makes you that moves you that makes you realize like, oh, I could make something that moves someone else. You know, and that's kind of the that's a lot of why. That, I mean, that's what I'm interested in talking to people about and, um, yeah, finding out why they do what they do. So Yeah. I mean, I think we have a very similar mission. Um, <laughs> cool. Well, I, I think you're awesome. I really appreciate uh, your time. I would encourage everyone to check out this song podcast, and I will definitely – follow up with you and get uh, links to like your sister's work and everything. I'll have all that in the show notes for the podcast uh, so that people can check out all the things that you mentioned. So, well, thank you. And thanks for having me. That was really a fun conversation. Yeah, it was. I look forward to the next one. We could keep going. I have so many other questions for you, but uh, uh, I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. I did too. I'm going to go listen to Nina Simone and cry right now. So, okay. All right. Okay. Thanks a lot. Take care, Elizabeth. Thanks a lot, Scott. Bye. Thanks. Thanks for listening. One more thing before you go. If this episode or any other I've produced have helped you or added value to your life, please support the podcast so it can continue and grow. Just go to austinarttalk.com forward slash support. There you can find a link to my Patreon page, and there is also a PayPal option and an Amazon affiliate link. I couldn't keep doing this without your help. All the best to you and take care.